Good morning. It's good to see you all here this morning. Good to see many of you back from long summers and hot summers in some places back to Mill Valley summer. <laughs> so called. <laughs> As Mark Twain said, dot, dot, dot. Right? So this morning we have this reading from the gospel where Peter gets it. One of those rare times where he is lucid and he understands <laughs> what's going on and he identifies it. And Jesus is so moved by this that he is the, Peter is the first recipient of this commissioning. This commissioning to bind what needs to be bound in heaven and to loose what needs to be loosed in heaven. This awesome responsibility. And now that I've been working for the institutional church for nearly a decade, I can say with a straight face, we've been trying to domesticate this gospel for the past 2,000 years. <laughs> we've been trying to institutionalize it, right? Most of you know what the institutional church is like, and it has many rough edges. We've been trying to domesticate Jesus, this proclamation that he is the Messiah. Now, that's one level of reading for this gospel. Another level is, you know what, Peter really doesn't get it, as usual. And nor, frankly, do the rest of the disciples, because the Messiah they're expecting is not the Messiah they're getting. Right? That hasn't happened to you, has it? Surely not. This is our problem as an institutional church, right? We've tried to domesticate Jesus Christ as Messiah. We have notions about the way he should work, just like a summer in Mill Valley should work like this, right? Except that's not how things work out at all. I don't suppose that in Peter's mind, when he proclaims Jesus as the Messiah, I don't suppose he was imagining the road to Jerusalem or the cross. And probably the resurrection was the farthest possible thing from his mind. And all the suffering that entails that journey. Now, we Episcopalians are good at institutional church, are we not? Say yes, and proud of it a lot of the time. Yeah. But it's our way of domesticating the Messiah. It's our way of domesticating Jesus. And we have to be careful about that, because it can get in the way of what's really going on in this gospel. And that is Jesus giving us Christians, profound responsibility to heal and redeem a broken world. And that responsibility is not just within this house or these walls. It is out there in the real world where life is messy and rough. Just like Jesus and his apostles were out there in the real world where life is rough. The road is dirty and windy and it leads to Jerusalem. And there's a lot of suffering along the way. The Messiah the Apostles get, the Messiah we get, is not the Messiah we want, but is the Messiah we need. The God who engages us, engages all of us, good, bad, and ugly, the good things in life, and the rough things in life. 
He's not just a political savior. He's not going to come in like a knight in shining armor and save the day. Instead, he is going to get into our hearts and upend our lives and turn them inside out. Why? Because that's what we need to be alive again. To be alive again to God and to one another. And in some measure, dead to the world. When the prophet was writing the words to people in exile in today's reading from Isaiah, he points out to them that the restoration is not just about everybody gets to go back to Jerusalem and pick up the lives as they once had. He wasn't even saying, this is just for you because God loves you and wants to keep you as his little family out here in Palestine, where we can all be happy together and the rest of the world can go to hell in a handbasket. No. No, the promise Isaiah reveals is that God is going to turn the whole kit and caboodle inside out and upside down and is going to start something completely fresh and new. Look at the earth, look at the heavens, Isaiah says. All of it, all of it will pass away, will wear out like a garment. This is the Messiah we have, the Messiah we need, who is beyond our simple understandings of life and our narrow notions of what is, who spans not only our life but our death, who stands at our beginnings and our ends and beyond, and who is with us even when all things have passed away. How do you domesticate Jesus in your life? Most of us do. Some of us even do it with a pattern of prayer. That's really dangerous stuff. Reminder again, I think it's Annie Lamott who wrote, if we really knew what we were getting into on Sunday mornings, we would come in with hard hats. Because there's a way in which when we engage in sacrament and prayer together as a community of faith, we're like kids playing with dynamite. We might end up changing not only ourselves, but the world around us. That's not a domesticated Jesus at all. That's a dangerous Messiah. A Messiah who confronts us as we were confronted last week in his encounter with the Canaanite woman, with a reality that is far beyond the nice Jesus we would all like to have, and is instead the engaging, transformative Jesus that we need. How will you carry that forth in your life this week? Not only in what you say, but what you do. How will you become part of the messianic community that Jesus offers Peter today and a little bit later in the Gospel of Matthew to all of the apostles? Community of forgiveness and hope 
community of transformation, a community of prophecy, a community that expects more than the world currently gives and turns to God as our rootstock and our source. Is your Jesus domesticated? This has been a sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415 388-1907 or visit us online at oursaviormv.org That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R M-V for Mill Valley dot O-R-G We wish you God's peace and we hope to greet you in person very soon.